Welcome to Bottom Line's Conversations with the Experts. I'm Sarah Heiner, President of Bottom Line, Inc., the number one provider of expert-sourced, expert-vetted, expert advice that empowers your life. I'm thrilled to be talking today to Dr. Marka Gronin, a board-certified geriatric psychiatrist and director of mental health sciences, clinical research, and the Outpatient Memory Center at Miami Jewish Health. Dr. Gronin is also the author of the new book, The End of Old Age, Living a Longer, More Purposeful Life. So it's great to be talking to you again, Mark. Great to be here. Thank you. So we were talking, we've had a, a series of conversations, we're kind of doing a series of podcasts, and we're talking about the, the inverted perspective that we all have on aging. And your whole book is about the fact that aging is not a walk into a brick wall, that it really is an evolution to different stages, and that in some ways we're far stronger as we're older than we were when we're younger. I really like the way you put that because too often we have such a narrow view of old age. We get so caught up in what we're losing rather than also looking at what we're gaining at the same time. Uh, in many circumstances, they balance themselves out, but there's also the potential to really go above and beyond what we've done before. And I think more and more people are experiencing that as they get older just because they're, they're healthy both physically and mentally. You know, it's funny. I, I just wrote a blog. You inspired me to write a blog about this. And I have a phrase, I'll let you steal it from me. I said that we evolve, not erode as we age. I like that. That captures it perfectly. Yes, you can take that. You can quote me. <laughs> um, but so part of that is that, um, you know, you talk about the things that we do better. We make better decisions. We're more at peace. And to me, I want to talk about creativity in this segment. Um, because to me, it's creativity that actually allows the expression a lot of a lot of that. Um, that, you know, it's creativity that allows us to make better decisions and be more at peace, et cetera. So, so what do you think it is that we, how, why is it that you think that we get more creative with age? Well, one thing I want to emphasize is, is creativity it may involve being artistic, but it's not the same thing because too many people, if, if, if they don't engage in some artistic um, uh, activity, they say, well, I'm not really creative, but that's, that's not the case. We all have creative abilities in everything we do, whether it's trying to solve a problem, dealing with a relationship issue, uh, facing some adversity, part of creativity is being able to think divergently, thinking along different pathways. And we know that as the brain matures, more of our brain is used for problems. Some people see that as a decline. They think that, well, instead of using one part of the brain, now we need to use two or three parts of the brain because it's not as strong. I take the opposite perspective. I think that allows our brain to think in many different directions simultaneously, which can enhance creativity. People also tend to think in less ideologic forms. It's, there's something called post-formal thinking, which really refers to a more mature way of thinking. We tend to be less emotionally reactive as we get older, less ideologic. And when you put all these different changes together, it really carries with it the potential to be more creative in, in many different areas of life. You know, I think that's so true because, you know, it's, it's funny, you, you jumped to where I was going to go because most people think about um, kind of the traditional artists who got more creative with age. Grandma Moses is obviously one of them that didn't even start painting until later. You have an example in your book of Matisse, who I guess when he later in age, where he started with his paper cutouts. And was it, that was a reaction to, I guess he had a physical problem. Yeah, Matisse almost died. He had some form of an intestinal ailment, unclear whether it was a cancer. 
But he, this is in the early 1940s, had a major surgery. And you can imagine at that time, it's during the Second World War. Um, I'm not even sure they had IV fluids at the time. They certainly didn't have antibiotics. He really was on his, on, on his deathbed for quite some time, delirious in the hospital. Miraculously, he survived, but certainly not in the same physical condition. He could no longer stand and paint the big canvases that he was used to. So you know, he had a choice to make. He either had to really give up his career or find a new way of doing it. And he found a new way of doing it, which really revolutionized the art world. He was able to, from his wheelchair, from his bed, uh, his assistant would bring him these very vividly colored sheets of paper, and he would take a scissors and cut out shapes and instruct her how to paste them up on the wall. He he captivated the world of art, later the world of fashion and advertising. Anytime you see these really bold use of, of colors, much of this stems from the work of Matisse, and this was in the last 10 years of his life, beyond the point where many people would have said it's time to give up, it's it's time to, to turn things in and, and stop creating. Yeah, and you know the thing that's so amazing to me, besides the fact that he opened up a whole new world of color and shape and and medium and things like that, is that that's a perfect example of what you refer to as divergent thinking, because he applied a different solution to a problem. He couldn't paint anymore, so he he found other other pieces and other options to come up with a different pathway. Sure, and everyone faces situations where they have to do the same thing. It might not be creating a work of art, but it might be, you know, if, if you're unable to drive or you don't have the same means of transportation, you have to find new ways of doing that. Or someone who retires uh, needs to find new activities or new pursuits. You know, as you get older, relationships with, with young people, with children, with grandchildren, it changes over time and you have to find new ways of relating to them. We all have to do that. But my point here is that the older brain has the advantage. You know, forget about these programs which are so focused on trying to teach an older brain to be like a younger brain. Younger brains have a lot to learn from older brains. And when we look at it from that perspective, we realize the enormous potential we have because of aging. So is it difficult for somebody, again, you know, as you said, a lot of people don't think of themselves as creative. And, I, and I, it's taken me many years. I'm you know, 57 years old. It's probably only in the last bunch of years that I acknowledge that I, I can't paint to save my life, but I'm definitely a creative problem solver. How, how do we help people to realize that and come to, to understand creativity has, new, has other definitions than being a potter or a dancer or a singer? You really hit on the reason why I wrote this book, because I wanted to get that message out that we already have the ability we have the, the process inside of, of us, which is aging, which gives us that potential. It's just a matter then of realizing that we have it and making a decision that you're going to try something different or try something new and realize that, uh, let's say, for instance, if you were to start painting or some artwork, maybe you're, you know, you're not going to become the next Grandma Moses or the next Matisse, but you might find great enjoyment in it and find ways to express yourselves that are really meaningful personally and also it might have impact on uh, other people around you and family members uh, and inspire them to do something. We really have to get beyond this notion of, of winning or losing here and focus on the fact that you know, this creativity benefits all of us and, and can have an impact on so many different areas of our lives, often in unexpected ways. Do you have some examples? There were, you had a number of examples in your book of some people who have really unlocked their creativity or just to help, to help people realize kind of aspects of it. Do you have any examples that you can share? 
Sure. Well, one of the stories I talk about is uh, a man who had actually been a, a very successful advertising photographer when he was younger. So a very artistic, very creative person. But when styles changed, he really fell out of favor. He wasn't able to do the same thing and uh, really went into a period of depression, really withdrew from a lot of the work he had done. And then later in life, he still had that creative urge. And, you know, more recently has started taking some of his photographs before, but as making these collages out of them. So he's able to take something that was important to him and meaningful to him in the past, but change it in a way that uh, fits really his goals right now and his abilities. You know, that's one example of using something from the past. And I, I often emphasize people to do that because then they're not starting 100% from scratch. They're already, they already have a base of, of something they did before, they have experience with, and that can give them the, the confidence and uh, you know, an initial pathway to really pursue that. That's great. How about somebody who developed a different type of creativity? other than that was a photographer or an artist? Well, um, you know, for instance, uh, I work with a lot of people who uh, come to me because um, they've lost a spouse or they've lost a partner after many years and how difficult that can be. And uh, so, for instance, uh, you know, one woman in her, in her grief after facing many losses decided that she always had wanted to work with other people almost like a psychologist or, or a social worker. But obviously at that point in her life, she wasn't going wasn't gonna to go back to school and do that, although some people do. And so she got training in a hospice program and started working with other individuals in ways that she'd never done before. Uh, it, it allowed her to really heal herself in many ways, to find a, a deeper way of relating to other people. Um, in many ways, reinvented herself as this amazing volunteer Volunteer opportunities are everywhere, and uh, that's a good way for people to kind of dip a toe into something and try it out and see if they want to spend time doing that. Um, and I find that you know aging volunteers bring so much to it because they have such a commitment, and they're able to to really rediscover um, aspects of themselves that they maybe weren't able to do when they were younger. Yeah, so that's a great example. I'm talking to bottom line expert Dr. Marka Gronin about his new book, The End of Old Age, and how staying young starts with the understanding that we're not simply getting old, but that we are refining skills as we age. This book will turn your perspective on aging inside out with case histories and beautiful stories of how people evolve, not erode as they age. The End of Old Age is available at our bottom line store at bottomlinestore.com. And when you use coupon code EVOLVE, that's E-V-O-L-V-E, you'll get 20% off when you buy it. Visit BottomLineStore.com, your expert source for wellness and more. BottomLineStore.com. You know, as we're talking, it just, the, the concept and the pervasiveness of creativity being at the root of everything that we do, that it is, it's not a, are you creative or not, it's, it's, a piece of decisions that you make. It's a piece of taking care of your family. It's a piece of cooking your dinner. It's a piece of how you drive. Like at every level, it's it's inherent in who we are. That's that's exactly the point. Um, it, it it is part of everything we do, just as you described. And knowing that, realizing that, and also realizing that it can increase as we get older should really fill us with a sense of excitement, 
about things that we can accomplish for ourselves, for our family, for our communities, um, with aging as a driving force there. Yeah, and in fact, it empowers us. So here's a weird question. I had, we have dinners regularly with our experts, and I had a dinner, we had, there's a guest at our dinner a few uh, recently, his name was Brian Reich, and he was a speechwriter for presidents, and he was, um, he's done a, a zillion different things. And he has a book that he's working on, and it's about inhibition, right? And he was talking about how when we were young, we were all uninhibited. And then as we age, we get inhibited, right? So as you get the constraints of societal pressures. And that he was positing that trying to get people, again, in older age, to let go of their inhibitions and to allow their creativity, like the creativity doesn't get stuck, but it's because we've constrained ourselves in so many ways that we've lost that joy and that freedom of thought and that, you know, the ability to make kind of wild, crazy connections. What do you think of that? I agree with that. I think that's a really nice way of, of thinking about it. Uh, one, it, ta- it, it opens up a door to how older individuals can relate to younger people. Uh, you think about how the relationships that we have with our parents are so different often than the relationships we have with our grandparents, in part because there are less inhibitions at times. And uh, grandparents have, in some ways, more freedom to kind of reinvent the type of relationship they have with uh, younger people in their family. The book really honors the work of Gene Cohen, who was a geriatric psychiatrist and really coined the term uh, creative aging, or at least the whole concept of it. And one thing that he emphasizes as we get older, we have these, these potential phases we go through, and they involve liberation and experimentation, the exact words which we wouldn't think are associated with aging individuals. We, we think that's the domain of the young, but not true, because often people feel less encumbered by... Uh, previous uh, approaches and ideologies and and ways of thinking, and they do become less inhibited. So it's really something that should really shake the stereotypes we have of what aging is about and realizing that often we can uh, take uh, leadership and uh, creativity in terms of doing things that are very different and that are less inhibited. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's go back just real quick to help people. You talked about a couple of things in terms of um, volunteering and stuff with regard to how can we help people to develop or rediscover or uncover their creativity. So again, a lot of people have been stuck in their boxes, right? And they haven't let themselves be free. So what are some strategies that you suggest in your book to help people find, re- rediscover that creativity or let it, let it free? Sure. Well, I like people to first begin by really taking stock of all their personal assets. And I I liken this, and and Gene Cohen did this too, likened it to your financial portfolio. You know, what are your your assets? What's your insurance? You know, what is, in in this case, what is kind of that mental life currency that you have to spend? Because that gives you your base, it gives you your confidence, and it tells you at least what tools you have to move forward. Um, Sometimes, it's different for everyone. Sometimes that can spur a lot of um, thinking about what they want to do. I also like people to think about what were some of the most challenging experiences you had in your life, almost like a life review, and talk about how did you get through that? What what pushed you forward? Because it often gives individuals a sense of their greatest assets and their purpose. And this may drive ideas for what they can do going forward. And then, you know, finally, 
put down what do you want to do? You know, uh, I, some people put it in terms of a bucket list, but I, I, I don't want people to restrict themselves to a traditional bucket list like, you know, I want to travel here, I want to, you know, skydive, things like that. I mean, th those might be part of it, but really think deeper. What is your mission? You know, what do you want to accomplish? What, what, what legacy do you want to leave behind? And I find when people start thinking about this and talking about it with others, it, it begins to redefine how they see themselves and how they see their future. This is what I call re-aging because by redefining that, it flows naturally. Our, our brain already has the abilities built in and that come with aging to really start pursuing some of these new activities. Yeah, and your exercises, it's it's so good. You know, you never realize, even sometimes I'll, I'll, at the end of the day, write down the accomplishments of the day because you forget. And your exercise forces them to kind of go through and reflect on um, all the, the aspects of their past where they have where they've been proud or where they've achieved something or the people they've touched. And to go back and go through that, you don't realize what a rich picture you've actually painted in your life. It's true. I can give you a, a really good personal example because uh, when the book recently came out, m my parents read it. And, and uh, you know, my mom was, was uh, you know, very um, blunt with me. She said, well, um, you know, given my age, given this, what can I really do right now? How does the book help me? So I, we sat and talked and I said, well, well, let's review, you know, what do you love to do? What are your skills? What are your abilities? By the end of that conversation, she really had, it was kind of an aha moment because she realized, yes, these, these are all the different things that I've done that I love. And, and these are the different ways I can channel them into things. In some ways, it's very simple. It's what a, it's what a good therapy may do for someone. But when you talk about it, you share it with people, it begins to transform the confidence that you have the realizations, the insight that you have. So it's, it's really an, important to formally do that process. And uh, the, when people have resistance to it, you know, we have to give them a little bit of a nudge sometimes, but what, what comes on the other side can really be remarkable. Yeah, well, and again, I go back to, we talked about this in, in one of the earlier podcasts about people somehow have this feeling like they had to have cured cancer or they had to have you know, developed a skyscraper, designed a skyscraper. But I think one of the most poignant stories in the book is I think it was Mary who made the meatballs in her family. Yes, that's a really good point because um, sometimes as people feel diminished as they get older, they, they really think I, I can't do it or what I do is not that important. And so, you know, for instance, I talk about Mary who was just a remarkable woman and up until her mid-90s when she passed away, every single weekend on Sunday, uh, she would go to uh, Catholic mass in the morning with her son-in-law and then the entire family would get together and basically spend the day cooking these amazing Italian dishes that have been in the family for countless generations. They have a, a dinner together at night. This, this was the glue to the family. This gave their week a sense of rhythm, a sense of purpose. I don't think any. I don't think Mary would ever say think that her meatballs were some great, uh, you know, wise. Uh, uh, you know, approach to anything, but they really were. This represented so many different things, and it, it made such a difference with the family. And I, I promise you that someday her grandchildren, when they're older, uh, that those meatballs and that uh, you know those recipes and the taste and, and the smells and, and the feeling of warmth and love will be with them, and they will be passing that on to their grandchildren in turn. So you really begin to see the power of what we do. And I, I challenge anyone think about one or two older individuals in your lives who have had a profound impact. 
I guarantee you it's not going to be some great artist or, or some great politician or statesman. For the vast majority of us, it's going to be a parent, a grandparent, an aunt and uncle, a teacher, someone who left such an imprint on us in, in both simple but profound ways. Totally agree with you. So let me ask you this. Is it a good strategy? Do you think it's a good strategy for people also, again, as they're trying to uncover, or even once they do the exercise, they still may not wear, know what to do or where to go, to just go to, I'll call it the grand tasting center of life. So you talked about volunteering, to volunteer at different things, or to go to different classes, or to, to try different things out to see where and how they want to apply you know, their, their wisdom. Sure. I feel like the action plan is just really, you know, the spark that's going to that's gonna light the fuel here. Um, my point is that aging is what's giving us these strengths. Aging is this dynamic force. It's already in us. You know, we, we don't have to find some fountain of youth because this fountain of age is, is there and ready and waiting for us. To me, the action plan in the book is just to, to make us more mindful of it. And you're right. Once we go out there and start exploring it leads to new things, but we have to be willing to do that, and we need to have the resources and abilities, and sometimes we need to help people get to that point, especially when they, they do have significant disabilities, And uh, but it doesn't mean that these opportunities aren't open to them, and that's a big point I make in the book is, is this is all-inclusive. I don't rule anyone out uh, regardless of the circumstances. There's always things we can do and find and get them involved in to make life better. Absolutely. All right. Well, Dr. Marka Gronin, thank you so much. The book is The End of Old Age, Living a Longer, More Purposeful Life. We have it at our bookstore and bottomlinestore.com. And we're going to do one more segment that people can tune into about finding their purpose. So thank you again, Dr. Marka Gronin. My pleasure. Thank you. I'm talking to bottom line expert, Dr. Marka Gronin, about his new book, The End of Old Age, and how staying young starts with the understanding that we're not simply getting old, but that we are refining skills as we age. This book will turn your perspective on aging inside out with case histories and beautiful stories of how people evolve, not erode as they age. The End of Old Age is available at our bottom line store at bottomlinestore.com. And when you use coupon code EVOLVE, that's E-V-O-L-V-E, -E, you'll get 20% off when you buy it. Visit BottomLineStore.com, your expert source for wellness and more. BottomLineStore.com.